When was the last time you stopped for a bit to think? No, seriously, when was the last time you really took time just to stop and think about something? If you haven't recently, you might want to try it. In this episode, How to Do It. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 83. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help smart people improve their communication and leadership skills, but also to stop and think. And there is a bias in our organizational world and in our personal lives too, that we need to be doing something all the time. And in fact, this topic has come up on several recent episodes with guests about there is this bias, certainly in the American business climate, and I believe many other places of the world too, that if you're not doing something actively, you're not adding value to the organization. And certainly stopping and thinking about something would not be considered actively working in many places and many organizations. But it is such an important thing for all of us to practice as leaders. So this week, I'm looking at seven ways to stop and think. And I just saw this week an article from the CEO of LinkedIn. I'm going to have a link to it here in the show notes. And the title is This Space this space Intentionally Left Blank. And I'm blanking on his name at the moment, but I will put that in the show notes. And he talks about how as he's become gotten into increasing levels of responsibility and as their company has grown, how he has had to be really intentional about blocking time in order to think, in order to just consider what the next steps are going to be and take time thinking about strategy. And really, the reality is all of us need to be able to block that time so that we can think and consider where we're going to go next, think about our strategy, but also to give ourselves a little bit of margin. And I love the phrase that margin is the space between our load and our limit. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't leave a lot of space between our load and our limit. And I've certainly had many times in my life where that's happened as well too. But just like when we read a page and we see something printed out without any margins on it and we have writing that goes right up to the edge of the page, it is really uncomfortable to read because it seems crowded. It seems like there's just no space to, uh, to take in the information. Our lives and our work is like that too as leaders. If we don't leave some space, we are not going to be able to be as effective as we could be to stop and to think and to consider what is our next move, what's our next strategy, what's the next thing that we want to communicate, or the next action that perhaps we need to take. And so here's seven ways that all of us can stop and think and consider some time that we can put a little bit more intentionality behind the actions we're taking each day. So the first one is to stop telling ourselves the lie that next week or month or year will be better. And this is something that I have heard over the years from many, many clients in many venues. 
coaching, training, facilitation, uh, probably one of the most common objections that I hear from individuals that either I uh, had been tasked to work with or uh, who were interested in working with a coaching or training program or had been told that they should do it, uh, the most common thing that I hear again and again and again is, well, it is just a really busy week for me right now, or this month is just so crazy with this project. And, oh, this year, this year is just, uh, you know, I know next year is going to be better. And inevitably, I find with people that I hear this from and that, you know, either our organization or as an instructor I've connected with over the years, it is almost always the case that the next time we talk with that person, they're even busier than they were the first time we had that conversation. If you think about your life and think about your work, are you busier today than you were a year ago? How about two years ago? I bet you are. And you know what? I bet that trend's going to continue too. It certainly continued in my life, especially as Luke's shown up and both of Bonnie and I, our careers have advanced every year, every month, every week, a lot of times gets busier and busier and busier and busier. And uh, it just is one of those things that is going to continue to keep coming at us. Life is going to continue to be full. Many of us who are listening to the show, who are growing our leadership skills, are going to continue to get more and more responsibilities. We're going to continue to have more influence in the world. And that's great. That's exactly what many of us want to be able to have because it gives us the opportunity to bring our gifts into the world. But it is going to get busier. It's only going to get harder. And so the lie that a lot of us tell ourselves that somehow we're going to have more time to think, somehow that we're going to have more space next month or next year, really almost never comes true. In my experience and the experience of many people I've worked with over the years, and I have a colleague that, uh, well, not a colleague, but a, a professional friend that I've worked with over the years, off and on on projects, who uh, he he's said many times to me, I am just tired of the change. I'm tired of the change this year. And it seems like this has been going on for three or four years. And I finally said this year, I said, you know, you do get that there's always going to be change, that this is just part of life. And uh, and change is good because if we didn't have change, we'd all be gone. And you know, it's just that a lot of times we have this belief that somehow things are going to magically get better and, and less busy and there's not going to be change uh, after a period of time. And that just isn't the case. We really need to have that time and that space to be able to uh, to think because if we don't make the space, it is never going to happen for us. You know, one example of this that has come up for me in my life in the last four or five years, I've been really fortunate over about five years now to teach a class for uh, an organization. Uh, I won't mention the company name, but it's, uh, uh, it's a great, great program on how to reduce stress and to control stress and worry. And it's a really uh, it's a really good curriculum, and I've had a great chance to work with a team of people, different team every year to help them to reduce their stress levels. And people who go through this program, they really do some amazing things. I'm always just really, uh, I feel really privileged to, to be a guide and a facilitator to watch people lower their stress levels and reprioritize and utilize task management more effectively. But one thing that I've, I'm often surprised on 
is one of the exercises that we'll have people go through in this class is to do something called a block day. And what a block day is, is we'll um, have people go through an exercise where they, we have them imagine, you know, if you could have a day where you could do anything you wanted, what would you do? And so we'll have people go through and we'll write out, you know, you, you could do work, you could do personal, you could do vacation. I said, you choose. It's up to you. We're not trying to get you to work more or do more personal stuff. It's just you have an entire day, 24 hours, you choose what you're going to do. And people will write out these amazing paragraphs of, you know, oh, I'm, I would do this first. And, you know, I would, I would go here. I would spend time working out or I would spend time with my family all day or I would go into work for half a day and I would do that clearing the office, you know, organizing project I've been meaning to do for three years and get all my files in order. And that would just give me tons of peace. And so they'll go through all these details. And then at the end of the exercise, the first thing that I'll challenge people to do is, okay, now set the date that you're going to do that. Set the date that you can take a day and take a vacation day or maybe take a Saturday or whatever day it's going to be. And it doesn't have to be tomorrow or next week, but make a point sometime in the next couple months to to book that day. When is it going to be? And I'm I'm just amazed at how many people push back on that. And I have heard so many different objections to that over the years, uh, ranging from, well, I couldn't take a day, or why well, I can do that when I retire maybe someday, or I just don't, there's no way in our organization that I could spend a day uh, doing that or take a day off right now. And I, I get, I get that there are times, uh, and I have times like this in my life too, and in my work, where it, you know, within a week or a couple week period, or maybe even a month, that it's not possible to, uh, or very improbable to take, you know, a half day or a day. But I'll literally tell people any time in the next six months, and they push back on that. And so one of the things that I would say is, is you absolutely have to be willing to make that space. We all have to be willing to make that space to stop and to think and enjoy life and think about what it is that we're going to do next. And if we're not willing to make that space, then we're not going to be able to do the other things on this list and we're really never going to stop and think very much. Life is not just about going to the next thing on the task list all day long over weeks or months or years. That is part of our lives. But it also needs to be that stepping back and thinking we want to enjoy what we're doing too, and think about what we're going to do next. So stop that lie. If that's a lie that you're telling yourself, number two, we need to be able to book time to stop and think. Now I'll, I'll say this is of the seven, the one that I struggle with the most. Uh, so going back to this last point on that block day is we all need to be intentional about What's the time that we're going to set aside? And, and I'm pretty good at doing this on a weekly basis, but I don't do this as well as I could on a daily basis. And so um, time, to, time to each day to actually figure out what is a time that we're not going to do anything. So I will spend some time usually doing this on the weekends and in the evening. A lot of times if I'm with Luke, I, I'll consider that sometimes my stop and think time. But really, it's not because I'm busy doing things with him. So one of the things that I'm going to be doing this week, and if you'd like to join me, I would love to have you involved in this, is to take 15 minutes a day just to stop and think. To think about 
what it is that I'm working on, what my priorities are, what types of things that I'm working on as far as projects for clients right now, and to think and not do anything. And that I know that if I'm able to do that and take some time each day, which I'm going to do this week, that uh, I will have some new things that will come out of that. And so I'll be talking about that on social media this week. So if you want to follow me, if you're not already following me on Facebook or Twitter, uh, be sure to do that. And if you'd like to jump in, please do that. But one, there are many ways that I do try to uh, take book time to do some more thinking. So one way that I do that is to give myself time on projects. In my line of work, it is often the case that I will talk to clients or prospective clients about projects, facilitation, training, coaching. And it's uh, most of the time the case where I will be coming back with some type of proposal, particularly if it's a training or facilitation opportunity. And I almost always, without exception, will talk with a prospective client or opportunity up front. And I will usually set the expectation that I'd like to have at least a week to get back with them on a proposal. It's not always possible, but for the most part, I find that about 90% of the time that is possible to do. And I like to have that time because it gives me time to think about what it is I'm going to write. I don't literally have to turn something in the next morning or the next day. It gives me time to get something up on my dry erase board, gives me time to think about it uh, when I've got drive time. It gives me time to just kind of percolate in my mind. And inevitably, I think about things that I wouldn't have thought about if I had just done it right away immediately. So I give myself time and I build that into my schedule to be able to get back to people. But there's a lot of other ways that we all can book time too to stop and to think a little bit. And one way, I think I've mentioned this on the show before that Bonnie and I do this, is we have a weekly date night on Sunday evenings where we'll book time together, uh, usually for a couple hours, to spend with each other and to have, we'll have a babysitter come in and we'll, you know, sometimes we'll just stay here at the house. Sometimes we'll go and go out to dinner or, or do some activity. And so it just varies on the week and what we decide to do. Uh, but we take that time to stop and to think and to dialogue with each other and to talk about our marriage and to talk about our relationship and what went well for us that week and what we struggled with that week and what we've learned about each other that week or how we've grown. And so we have some great deep conversation every time we do that. And I have had a number of times in the last years, you know, since we had Luke where I'll talk to people about doing that and making time. And um, I've had dialogue with other parents during that time. They'll say, well, um, I would do that, but it's just too expensive. Like, isn't that so expensive to have a babysitter come every week? And I don't know. I always find that an interesting response because, uh, you know, in most parts of the country, uh, at least here in the States, it's, you know, a couple hours for a babysitter is probably, you know, $25, maybe $30. So I guess it's expensive. <laughs> you know, I guess it all depends on what your budget is. But $25 or $30, even if you just did it once a month to start off with, I mean, think about all the money and the investment we put in other things, uh, buying food, getting Starbucks, all the things that many of us do, getting gas. An investment in our marriage, in our relationship of taking that time to stop and think for $25 or $30, man, it's worth it for us. So is it an investment of time and money? Sure. Is it payoff and dividends for both of us and having a great marriage and great dialogue with each other? 
Absolutely. It is the best investment we make right now. One of the best investments we make by far. So one of the things we should always be asking ourselves is what's really important to us right now? Are we prioritizing taking time to stop and think, strategize, listen, dialogue with someone? And if you want to know what's important to you, take a look at your calendar, where you're spending your time, and then take a look at your checkbook and where you're spending your money. And uh, if you want to know what's important to a person, those are two really solid data points. Where do you spend your time and where do you spend your money? So if those things are things that are not important to you that you look on your calendar and checkbook, then that's an opportunity to maybe do something different. And one thing that I would certainly challenge all of us to do is to take some time to stop and invest either time or resources in stopping just for a little bit. We don't have to do it every single day. We don't have to do it even every week right away, but to do something for ourselves that will help us to stop and think. You know, just this uh, last week or so, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal about Ursula Burns, and Ursula Burns is the CEO of Xerox. And there's a great little article, I'll actually put it on social media and a link in the show notes, from uh, Leslie Quo from the Wall Street Journal about uh, Ursula Burns and her advice for ambitious women. But I think that this advice is really just as relevant for men as it is for women. And she gives five pieces of advice on women achieving their career goals. And one of them is be selfish sometimes. So she says, you know, checking out occasionally to put personal needs ahead of career and family is okay. And she quotes, think about your health, physically and mentally. A failure to do so, she warns, can put everything else at risk. We need to stop and think. We need to have that mental time to think about what we're doing and to create that margin. And if we do that, we have the ability to think about what we're doing before we actually do it. Now, here's number three. How to stop and think is to brainstorm with yourself before brainstorming with others. There was a great uh, HBR Idea Cast, which is the podcast that's put out by the Harvard Business Review uh, just this past week uh, with the guest Lee Thompson, who is the uh, author of the new book, Creative Conspiracy. And one of the things that they have done is looked at research on what are some best practices on helping people to create the best ideas. And there's a lot of different research and articles that have been written around brainstorming over the years, of course. But some of the new research is showing that one of the best ways to get the best ideas is before you walk into a room with a whole bunch of other people on your team or maybe a group of people you're leading or maybe a group of clients and start brainstorming ideas is to take time yourself first to think through what it is, what are the ideas and what are the brainstorms that you have around a particular topic or idea. And I'll tell you, I've tried doing this um, because I got this dry erase board for my office here about hmm, about a year and a half ago. And I always thought it would be neat to have a dry erase board in the office. I, you know, I just like, oh, if I get this dry erase board, I'll use it all the time. I'll brainstorm. I'll put up ideas. I'll be more creative, blah, 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 blah. So I buy this dry erase board a year and a half ago. The thing is uh, heavy. <laughs> it's one of these, it's a nice dry erase board. It's magnetic. It's probably about 60 or 70 pounds. Get it up on the wall, mount it, brought it with us when we moved here this summer. I've got it on my new office and didn't use it. 
you know, because I wasn't in the habit of using it. So I liked the idea of having a dry erase board. It looks nice on the wall, but I didn't use it at all very much. And it's just been in the last few months that I've really forced myself to get more down on paper and to do some thinking before I walk into conference calls, meetings, classes, to really start doing some brainstorming. And so now what I'll do often is if I'm writing a proposal or if I'm about to have a major conversation with a colleague or a client is I'll take time before that interaction and I'll put a mind map up on the board. If you're not familiar with what mind mapping is, just Google mind mapping and you'll find tons of resources on it. But I'll put a mind map up on the board. I'll put an idea in the topic, right in the middle of the dry erase board. And then I'll just start drawing things off of that and, and putting down ideas. And you know what? I end up coming up with tons of great ideas and thinking things through and uh, and coming up with things I would have never thought of if I just sat there and thought for two or three minutes. Uh, because I get it down and because it's visual and I do it in advance of the meeting, a lot of times I find that my ideas that I'm able to contribute in the meeting are a lot more thought through and creative because I'm not thinking on my feet. I'm doing the thinking in advance. I still need to think on my feet a lot, of course, in the work I do, but I'm thinking a lot more in advance as well. So brainstorm with yourself before brainstorming with others. And if you can do that, you get the ideas flowing and then you'll bring a lot better ideas to the interactions with others. And by the way, if you have a team, encourage them to do that too. This is great. It's a great thing to do, particularly if you are with a team of people and you have people on your team that are quieter people. A lot of times, the quieter folks tend to get, uh, it tend to get, you know, steamrolled a little bit in group conversation because they haven't had a time to sit and think about something as much and to really consider fully what they're going to contribute. And so, if you can do this, this is going to be a great value to you. Okay, number four: how to stop and think, turn things off. You know, we have all these phones and laptops and iPads and the amount of notifications that I get on my computer, phone, and iPad, if I allowed all of them on, I would literally get notifications multiple times an hour from all kinds of different programs, from calendar invites, from emails, from, uh, you know, we even have in our family this thing set up where we have photo, photo streaming, so we share photos and we take photos, and then someone comments on the photo and it dings on the phone. It is unbelievable how many notifications and data that comes to all of us on a daily, weekly, monthly basis these days. And that's cool. You know, it's it's great to be connected. I love it. I love the internet. I love technology. Uh, you know, this is this show is possible. The community of coaching for leaders is possible because of technology and the internet and notifications. So don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for it and I love it. And I also know there are times that I just need to turn things off. And I'm I'm always, uh, I think it's always interesting that a lot of us feel tethered to our devices. We feel tethered to the notifications that we get from things. And so a couple of things I'd, I have done, and I would really challenge you to consider as well, if you haven't done this before, is to take some time during the day, if it's during your think time, even better, is to turn off the phone for, it could just be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe it's a half hour. You know your schedule best and what you can do and what's reasonable, but take a little bit of time just to turn things off, to close the door, to turn off email, 
at the very least, turn off those notifications that you get a new email each time. If you're on email, be on email and be present and go ahead and you know get back to people as quickly as possible. But when you're not on email, be off it. Don't leave that inbox up on your screen all day long, which many of us have done over the years, and I've been guilty of it too. But turn things off. And even if you just do it for a few minutes a day, because that gives you space to be able to think and to think about what it is that's going on to work on those long-term priorities and not to get caught up in the short-term urgency of everyone who needs something immediately on phone or email or text message. And if you can do that, you're going to create a little bit more space. There was a great article just this past week in the New York Times on uh, how to ease brain fatigue with a walk in the park. And I loved this research that they've done is they've looked at um, you know, brain fatigue and how we get overwhelmed with things. And they figured out that people, if they go walking in a park, are able to ease the amount of brain fatigue that they get versus going to walk down a busy street or anywhere else. Just getting away from all the inputs makes a huge difference in our ability to process things. And so that's a great way to create space is find a way to turn something off. And again, it could be just that 10 or 15 minutes. I love the new feature on the iPhone, the iPhone software that uh, Apple has out now or iOS, I guess, where you can hit do not disturb. And and I turn it on for an hour. And the great thing about that feature is you can filter out who can reach you. So Bonnie can still reach me. Um, You know, if Luke's with a babysitter, they can still reach me. Or, you know, if it's someone, you know, who I really do want to still get a call from, uh, their calls will come through. I can put them on a cleared list, but then everyone else gets sent the voicemail. And that's a great feature for me. I will often turn that on for an hour or so during the day just to get away for a little bit, to not be completely disconnected, but to be able to take time to do a little bit of thinking. Now, number five, write stuff down. Get it all out of your head. You know, when I was, uh, oh, when I was about six years old, my dad got us a Tandy 1000 personal computer. It was one of the first personal computers that came on the market. It uh, it was right after the Commodore 64. And man, it was cool. I mean, I <laughs> I was so excited. We It had 128K of memory. So for those of you who are tech geeks, you know exactly how little memory that is. Um, and we thought it was great though. I mean, we had all the, you know, the, all the floppy disks. You had to put through two or three floppy disks every time you turned on the computer to get the thing up and booted and running DOS. And, uh, but man, we, you know, we had so much fun with that computer and I learned so much about computers from it. And as time went on, I remembered we were able to upgrade that computer where we got 256K of RAM memory and then 640K of RAM memory. And for those of you who aren't familiar with computer uh, hardware is there's the hard disk space, the place you can store stuff, but then there's something called RAM, random access memory. And that memory is basically like what the computer can, when it's on, how many programs can be running at any given time. And the great thing about computers is as they've evolved over time is the amount of RAM that you can purchase has greatly gone up and the price has gone substantially down to the point where many of us now have two, four, eight, 16, even larger amounts of gigabytes of RAM in our computers. But here's the thing is there is still a limit. The limit's a lot bigger than it used to be, but there's only a certain number of, of, of limited programs you can open on your computer at one time. And depending on how much RAM you have, that may be 
10 programs, 50 programs, but there's at some point there's a limit. If you open up too many programs and try this the next time you get on your computer, once you get to a point where you open up too many, the computer starts to crawl. You've probably had this experience, especially if you're using a computer with uh, that's a little older or doesn't have as much memory with some of the modern programs. The computer will start to crawl and, and maybe even crash because the amount that the computer is able to hold in its random access memory just doesn't allow any margin to do anything else. Well, here's the thing is our brains work the exact same way is that we only have a limited amount of brain power. And, and for a lot of us, thankfully, that's you know a pretty big amount. But we can only think about so many things in a day. We can only put so much up there and we can only carry so much in our minds. And even though that's a really big thing for a lot of us, every time we try to add in more and more and more and remember more and more and more, we limit the amount that our brain is able to be creative on other things. And the person that really changed my thinking on this was David Allen. David Allen wrote the famous book, Getting Things Done. It's a great productivity book. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. Uh, it's a great model for how to be more effective in what we would traditionally call time management. But he takes it way past time management and talks about just good practices on how to be effective and efficient in your life and in your work. One of his key tenets is get things down in writing, record stuff somewhere, and stop trying to carry things around in your head all the time. And this is a problem for a lot of us as part of this community because the smarter you are, the bigger a problem this is for you. Because smart people tend to like to carry things around in their minds and they've been they've learned over the years that they're very good at being able to organize things and to hold things in their brains and to memorize a lot and that's great. Except that it takes up space that you could be using for creative energy and creative power and thinking strategically. And if we can free up even a little bit of that space, it's going to help us to be able to stop and think. Uh, a perfect example of it is just this past week. I've been thinking about the show topic all week. I had three or four great ideas for this show. I can't remember them now. Because you know what? I didn't write them down. And so this is something that's been challenging for me is I've had to cure myself of this habit because I went through school and college and I was one of those kids that you know never took notes on th- very many things. I always would carry things in my mind. And you know that, that worked for me 10, 15, 20 years ago. But gradually I've noticed I've gotten older and there's more things going on in a week and with family and, and work and, and all these different relationships. I don't remember things as much as I used to, as easily as I used to. And there's so much more going on. And so because I didn't write things down, they didn't end up making it into the show. And I don't even remember what they were. So maybe they weren't that good. But here's the thing is that the more we can free up our brain space to allow us that creativity, that time to think, we're going to do a great job of being able to actually create that space to be able to think. So a couple of tools that I've used around this is I have a moleskin notebook now that I use and I record my notes. I've got one that I carry with me in my backpack to anytime I'm going to a client appointment or a coaching interaction or to teach or facilitate, I'll carry that one with me. And I try to write down anything that is of any significance, particularly follow-up items, anything I want to remember about that interaction, I'll write it down in my notebook. 
And then um, the nice thing about this Moleskin notebook is I can actually take a picture of it with my iPhone and it'll import it into Evernote, which is my note-taking system. So I can record it permanently. So that's a great way. Um, and I keep another notebook on my desk. So I've always got, I've got two of them. I've got one in each place. So I've always got a place that I can take notes. And, you know, note-taking is something that I would really encourage you to try if you haven't done it. If you're not used to getting information down somewhere, either in a task list or in a notebook, is to find a system for that that's going to work for you. Whether it is written, whether it's digital, uh, some combination of the two, it really doesn't matter what the system is. It matters that the system works for you and gets stuff that's out of your brain, out of that RAM memory, frees it up so you can think about things and be a lot more creative. And hey, if you're looking for some motivation for this and some tools and ideas, go ahead and check out uh, Michael Hyatt's podcast, This Is Your Life, episode number 47. He talks about the lost art of note-taking. It's a great podcast. I really encourage you to check it out. So uh, go check that one out, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. And uh, speaking of the show notes, I realized I wrote down eight things. So I guess this is going to be eight ways to stop and think versus seven. We'll see if we can combine a couple of these. So number six, put things into later buckets. Put things into later buckets. You know, almost all of us have a lot coming at us these days. I mean, if I think about just the amount of mail that we get in a week, not even email, physical mail, uh, the bills and all the things that still come through U.S. mail for us, uh, it, you know, I end up getting a whole bunch of stuff. And if I try to process all those things every time they come in, it just becomes really inefficient. So one of the things I've tried to do is create some buckets for stuff to handle and process at later times. So I can free up my time to really be able to think and not worry about stuff as it comes in. So I do that with bills. I process bills once a week. Um, one way I do this that I has really worked great for me, and I'd encourage you to try too, is reading things online. Um, you know, you probably have this happen too. If you do spend any amount of time online, someone sends you a great article or resource, or you see something on Facebook or LinkedIn, or it's a great article. Oh, wow. That would be great to read. And you end up spending 20 or 30 minutes reading that, and it takes you off task of what you were planning to do during that time. And all of a sudden, you're behind, and you're trying to catch up, and you really never have the time to stop and think. So one thing that I do is I use a service called Pocket. And I believe the web address is getpocket.com. I'm actually going to go check it out here online just to make sure that that's correct. Yeah, it's getpocket.com. What Pocket is is a digital pocket, an electronic pocket, where you can keep articles. So whenever I f see an article on Twitter or LinkedIn or somewhere that I want to read, but I don't, I don't really want to read right at that minute, or I see it on my iPhone, um, Pocket's installed everywhere. So I just hit the little button on my browser for Pocket. It takes that article, it saves it into the Pocket account. And then about once a week, sometimes twice a week, I'll go into my Pocket account and I'll read all the articles that are there. And then I'll set up all those articles to the ones that I think are good. I'll set them out to go on social media and to post throughout the week. And I use another program called Buffer for that. Uh, but it gets it out of my daily, you know, having to process everything all at once and getting behind on other things and gives me more space to think. So find something that will give you that space too. And Pocket is a great way to do that. So put something into, put things into later buckets process them at one time, and that way you're not handling too much all at once. Okay, number seven, start saying no to more things. Now, this is different than dropping the ball. Dropping the ball is when you say you're going to do something and you should do it. You should, uh, you know, we're only as good as our word and what we say we're going to do. 
but start saying no to more things before you actually make that commitment on the front end. I had a mentor who was a professor of mine, and it's going back, uh, let's see, eight or nine, seven or eight years now, I guess, um, who said, you know, one of the tests you should always ask yourself is, are you getting at least as much as you're giving from something? Now, on its face, that may seem really selfish. Well, if I'm going to make decisions on things that I'm going to do in my life, if I'm only going to decide on whether I'm getting as much as I'm giving to someone, that doesn't that seem pretty selfish? On the face of it, it does. But if you think about it, that it really, if you're not getting at least as much as you're giving to something, over time, that is going to breed resentment for most of us. And you know what? We don't want to have resentment in our lives if we can at all avoid it. Now, and by the way, as far as what we're giving or what we're getting. I don't just mean money. So financial is one thing we may get, but it's enjoyment. It's love. It's the feeling that we're contributing to the world. It's the feeling that we've taken time to get to. It's that warm feeling from doing something nice to someone. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't go out and volunteer and, and, and or give money or help out with charity, all the wonderful things that many of us in this community do. But it's thinking, you know, am I, are the feelings, the enjoyment, the contribution I feel, is that, is that, am I getting at least as much as I'm giving out of it? And if you're not, it's going to breed resentment. And a lot of times the reason that we're not doing it is because the things that we say yes to are really other people's priorities. They're other people's agendas for us. And so one thing we should always be thinking about is what is something that maybe we should be saying no to that we've said yes to before. And one example in my professional life is organizations that I've been involved with, and particularly professional organizations. One thing that I realized a couple of years ago is that a lot of the professional organizations, coaching, training organizations that I was involved with, uh, I was giving more than I was getting. And I mean giving by uh, certainly the membership fees, but also just the time and the resources I was putting into them. A lot of times it was you know evening meetings, dinner meetings. Usually they were you know a distance from my our home. Uh, you know, particularly once we had Luke, I was finding, you know, this is time away from home. It's not really, it's not a good time of the evening. And a lot of times I'm teaching in the evening. So it wasn't, I couldn't even make a lot of the meetings. And so really I've, I kind of discovered I was doing this more so for other people or other people in my industry who thought I should be involved in these organizations. And I finally decided to drop many of my professional memberships and many organizations over the last year or so. Now, I, I'm not saying that to say you shouldn't be a member of professional organizations. It's a great thing to do. And if you're getting as much as you're giving, by all means, do it. But here's the thing is we all need to look at, are we, are we getting as much as we're giving? And if that's not the case over time, consistently for some of the activities we're doing, that may be something that we want to try saying no to. Okay, here's my bonus item since there ended up being eight instead of seven. The bonus item is eliminate some things that may seem sacred. Hey, if we really want to take some time to stop and think, there's almost always some time in the day and the week that we can find to do that. One thing is TV. You know, TV is something that most of for most of us, if we skip TV for a day or a week, we wouldn't even miss. Uh, Bonnie and I, when we moved to our new home last July, we decided not to take cable with us. And you know what? I haven't missed it at all. And Bonnie still gets to watch TV on the iPad and see she has Hulu Plus and 
Uh, and you know, we both have the Hulu Plus membership, so we can watch the shows we want to watch on occasion. But both of us watch tons less TV than we ever watched before. And you know what? I don't miss it at all. There's, I think there's been one or two times in the last year where I was like, ah, oh, you know, I wish I could watch that on TV or live TV. And you know, I just don't miss it. But a lot for a lot of people, at least living here in the States, TV or having cable or having access to that seems like just part of the way, a sacred part of the American you know, household, and it doesn't have to be. So eliminate choices that may seem sacred to you today, but if you really did some time to think about it, you may realize, hey, I don't actually have to have that TV today or this week or maybe at all. I don't need to be on the internet 24 hours a day every day. Uh, and connected all the time. Uh, some of you've heard Bonnie and I talk before about how we will take a day off of the internet, uh, you know, once or twice a month. A lot of times, where we'll just get off for twenty-four hours. It creates that space for us to think and to reconnect. So here's my challenge for all of us this week: is to, in addition to whatever uh, you may be doing, to normally stop and think is to find a place to be still. And so my commitment to uh, you this week as members of this community is I'm going to be taking 15 minutes a day, maybe more, but I'm going to take at least 15 minutes a day to stop and think this week. Not time I'm driving, not time I'm doing watching Luke or doing other things. I mean 15 minutes a day where I really stop and sit and think, maybe write, Get the ideas out of my mind, and I'm going to be talking about that on social media. So I would really encourage you to do that too. And if you would be willing to try that, I would love to hear about it. I'd love to hear what works for you, what comes out of it. So by all means, join the conversation about that on this week's show notes. You can get them at going to coachingforleaders.com slash 83. All of the things I've mentioned, all the resources, the articles uh, I've talked about in this episode are going to be there as well. You can also reach me by voicemail at 949-38-LEARN. That's our listener feedback hotline. And of course, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So I've taken a lot of time here to talk about the importance for each of us of taking time to stop and think. And that's because when it comes to leadership, leading others, What we do ourselves and for ourselves first makes all the difference in the world. You hear me talk about the importance of personal leadership and leading ourselves first more so than any other topic on the show. And that's because it's the most important. I love the quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson who says, who you are stands over you and thunders so I cannot hear what you say. And that is why personal leadership and the focus on this is so important to take that time to think. Hey, speaking of taking time, thank you for the four of you who took time this week to connect with me. Thank you to Carmel Purdy, Mad O, Michael Aneski, and Ahmad Aladawi. Thank you for connecting with me on social media and joining the community. If you'd like to connect with me as well and stay in touch during the week, go to coachingforleaders.com slash Twitter slash Facebook or slash plus if you're using Google Plus, depending on where you like to connect. So again, that's coachingforleaders.com slash Twitter or slash Facebook or slash plus and connect with me there. Hey, and if you'd like a midweek booster shot, I send out an email article every week that will help you to improve your leadership skills 
So go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe if you'd like that. Have a great week and be still this week. Take some time to think. Take care, everybody.